0: Uh, let's pray, and then uh, I want to spend a few minutes uh, talking to you guys, if, if that's okay. Is it okay if I, if I talk to you, preach a little bit tonight? Okay, good. Just a little bit. i only preach just a little bit. All right. Uh, Father, we're just so grateful to you uh, for this season that we're in, uh, in our lives as individuals and uh, in as in a spiritual family. Uh, we're so grateful to you uh, for what this season represents that we're in, this Advent season preparing our hearts to experience Christmas well, to experience this coming of your Son into our hearts and our lives. Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. It empowers us to live lives full of hope and expectant. And Lord, I thank you just for saturating us with your joy this evening. Um, that as we take these next couple of minutes to uh, learn and to listen. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. I pray that you speak to our hearts, uh, speak to our minds, um, that you fill us with your truth so that we can be people that model you well in this life. And all the people of God said, Amen. 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 I'm calling tonight uh, Work uh, work in the Waiting. Work in the Waiting. uh, Pastor Jacob on Sunday kicked off a, a series entitled Steadfast Love. Uh, and the theme is really coming from this Advent uh, season that we're in. And Advent is all about preparing our hearts uh, for, for Christmas and entering into the Christmas season, season well. Week one is all about hope and making sure that we're uh, connecting with the Holy Spirit in regards to things that He wants to reveal to us about what it really means to put our hope and our trust in God, and kind of the underlying theme, or the, the the undercurrent, if you will, to the whole Advent season is one of waiting. It's during the season of Advent that we kind of prophetically connect to a time in Israel's history of waiting for the Messiah. And as Pastor Jacob said on Sunday, in this side of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, we find ourselves uh, in the anticipation—anticipation, anticipation, excuse me—of another advent or coming of Christ, and that is the Lord's return. And during the Advent season, we slow down our lives to uh, really ask the question: How are we doing in our waiting? What are the behaviors and mannerisms and, and, and characteristics that we're allowing ourselves to grow in in regards to what it means to wait well? Those areas of our life that we're putting our hope and our trust in God to see blessing and fulfillment of promise. Those areas of our life that we're anticipating a fresh touch and even a, uh, a, a reimagining uh, from the Holy Spirit in different parts of our lives. Um, I love what the season does in, in the midst of a hurried and a busy time for so many as the people of God, we get to intentionally slow down and ask the Holy Spirit some uh, powerful, powerful questions. If Advent and that underlying theme of Advent is about waiting, uh, then I really felt uh, the need over the next couple weeks uh, to explore that a little bit. And not necessarily uh, just waiting itself, but what we do in the waiting, what we do in times of, of waiting in our lives. Um, so often for us, in a season of waiting um, is also akin and connected to a season of struggle. Um, if we're being honest, to wait for anything is, is a bit of a struggle uh, in today's culture and in society, Um Waiting for us a lot of times has connotations of like the absence of any action. And for those of us that are doers and movers and shakers, the thought of not having anything to do is scary. Uh, The thought of not being able to put our hands to something and being able to produce something might even feel like just lazy and something that we don't want to enter into and something that we want to avoid and we want to work hard and we want to produce and we want to excel. And oftentimes uh, waiting isn't just about ceasing from labor or entering into a time of peace and rest with God. Uh, Another tough thing about waiting is whenever we're waiting and in our waiting we're experiencing a lot of pain in a particular season. Um, So often in our lives seasons of waiting are marked with the struggle because of the pain that we're experiencing believing God for a breakthrough in our marriage believing God in a breakthrough uh, for a break- breakthrough with our children believing God for a breakthrough in our health or uh, in in our ability to uh, to lead well in our organization or believing God for a restoration in our family and any struggle that we're in in the middle of believing God and waiting and hoping and trusting in God that's in the midst of pain, it doesn't seem like the payoff or the fulfillment of the promise can come quick enough. Uh, It's something that really tests and tries our hearts and our souls, and if we're honest, sometimes even our, our sanity. How much longer can we really wait with this unresolved conflict. How much longer can we really wait until the doctor calls with the, uh, uh, the status of that report or that test? How much longer can we wait and tolerate these things that are going on in our lives? I think the hardness of life, and let's just be really honest and open tonight. Anybody agree with me that life oftentimes is hard? Uh, it's difficult, the things that we face. and I think the hardness of life makes it easy to adopting a way of existing in the world that's just all about pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain especially if you think you're at your threshold of your pain tolerance anybody that's really at the place of feeling like if they don't get a breakthrough they're going to break down have you ever been there before is it going to be a breakthrough or a breakdown, but something's coming? One of those two things, and it's, it's right around the corner. I see a few people smiling and nodding their heads in agreement. Everybody else just has a perfect life. So, uh, but uh, in, in, in the middle of those times, the hardness of life really makes us question how much more we can take, uh, especially when our waiting is in the midst of a struggle with something difficult. And I think that uh, oftentimes uh, our view of waiting or of the struggles that we face in life, we oftentimes get this um, false idea that the waiting period in our life, the delay, uh, the struggle, um, is something that's able to be avoided. And sometimes we think that it might be optional. And I'm here to tell you that you're going to always um, be on the verge of giving in to disappointment and discouragement if you actually believe that it's possible to avoid to avoid, uh, or to opt out of seasons of waiting in your life. Um, if you have this uh, false belief that there's going to be a place and time in your life that you get to, that you just no longer have any struggles, um, you're going to be constantly disappointed. Uh, you're going to be let down. If you think that you get to a place of spiritual maturity, uh, that your faith is no longer tested, or that you never have to stand up against anything uh, difficult, then we can safely say that you're living in a pretend uh, world, a pretend existence. Um, I'm not trying to uh, be the Grinch this holiday season or burst any, any spiritual uh, positivity uh, bubbles that you have. But the fact of the matter is this, that Jesus promised us that he be with us in this life. Uh, but he also promised us that life was going to be hard. Um, He promised us difficulty. He promised us trial and tribulation. Um, He promised us times of waiting, times of struggle. He promised us times of disappointment and hopelessness, sadness and sorrow. That's part of what living life is. And the thing that I've noticed about people, myself included, And by the way, just so you know, anything that I end up talking to you about is because God's been talking to me about it. Uh, So any kind of hard truth that I give you, just know that I've had to take that medicine first. Okay. So anything I'm giving you is just because misery loves company and I want you to just (laughs) experience what I've I've experienced. Thank you for laughing. Uh, And here's what I've noticed. Times of waiting, times of struggle... It's easier for us to start adopting behaviors. It's all about avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. And let me tell you the problem of that whenever you're in, especially a painful season of waiting or a painful season of struggle, is that especially when you come out of pain and you step into breakthrough in a particular area, um, let's say that you've waited a long time on a particular thing. It's been painful for you. The struggle's been real, uh, to use a a popular phrase of today. And let's say that you get on the other side of it. Um, The good news is you got on the other side of it. The bad news is it'll only be a certain amount of time before there's another struggle to face. Another challenge to face. Um, And in the middle of that, you've got to have some sobriety to your thinking of understanding that that's something that's not going to be avoided. Uh, The good news is, is that the outcome has been determined by what Jesus has done on the cross. And even though we have struggles, when we're in Christ, there's no way that we can actually lose. Uh, because even in the worst possible thing that could happen to us in regards to death is for us to be uh, now face-to-face with our, with our Savior. Uh, but it doesn't mean that that theological truth makes the struggle and the current painful waiting process totally pre- pleasurable. Even in the midst of those truths that we hold to as believers, we still experience the sting of circumstances, We still experience the, the, the heartache and the devastation oftentimes. But uh, here's, a, here's, here's the other observation about when you go through a difficult period of waiting, uh, a difficult period of, of waiting through pain, a struggle in your life, and you come out on the other side of it, a lot of times we can adopt this dangerous mentality uh, that we've paid our dues. Anybody ever been there before? Like you've struggled in a particular area of your life, Let's say that it wasn't necessarily connected to something uh, in the stereotypical uh, things that bring you pain, you know, brokenness in a relationship, uh, financial hardship, sickness. Let's say it's not that. Let's just say there's actually an area of your life that you stepped out in and you did something hard for God? Anybody ever stepped out and did something hard that the Lord was asking him to do and they knew there was gonna be a cost associated with it? Uh, So I had three people raise their hand. Man, we really need to work on being disciples if only three people have ever done anything hard for Jesus. You ever do anything hard because the Lord asked you to do it? Just out of obedience to him? And then you got on the other side of it and you said, I'm never gonna go back there again. And what happens is is that a lot of times we can uh, adopt this mindset of like being, uh, you know, uh, spiritual uh, extreme sport athletes. Like we can do anything for a certain season of time, but then as soon as that season of time is over, the Lord better not ever ask me to do anything hard ever again. Because if I have to go back to that place, I'm not sure that I can do that again. And what we do is, is we start living with the mentality of I've paid my dues. Like I've been there, I've done that. And now that I'm on the other side of it and I'm in the plush you know, chair and got my name on my desk or whatever it might be, there's not really any more sacrifices that are needed. There's not necessarily any more risk-taking and blind acts of obedience and putting myself last. Like, I've done the whole thing of serving other people and putting myself last for years. Now, it's about me. My time. You ever been there before? No, you've never been there before? Okay. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know if you've been there before, just ask your spouse, and they'll tell you the truth. Because you don't, you're you just lying to yourself, is all that's really going on there. Uh, that's something that I've seen happen, and a lot of times it's a response to to trauma. To be honest with you, uh, traumatic experiences in our lives, hard things that we have to walk through, um, make us develop coping mechanisms that look like really just pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain. And the sad reality of that is this: is that whenever you actually start adopting a lifestyle that's all about seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, you actually open yourself up to another level of pain. Anything done outside of boundary in in the form of excess in any area just opens up another level of pain and unhealth in your life. Uh, You know, let's, uh, well, let's hold off on the examples because it's gonna get harder as we go on. I don't wanna hit you with something too hard at just the introduction. So um, here's the problem with waiting Here's the problem with the struggle. Here's the problem with dealing with pain. Here's the problem with having hope in a season of struggle and pain. Here's the problem with having hope in the middle of that and knowing that the payoff is coming, knowing that there's some blessing, some spiritual pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's this is that for many of us deep down with the way that we live and the way that we behave and the way that we think the real problem is is that most of us want the story but not if it means we have to embrace the struggle The real problem is is that we see the value in the payoff but we don't see the value in the struggle The struggle is what we avoid And if you avoid the struggle, and if you avoid the waiting, and if you avoid the pain for long enough, what actually ends up happening is that you never get paid at all. Uh, The problem is that for many of us, we want the body, but we don't want the workout. Okay. You guys can see me, right? Are, Are you looking at me? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself. I'm not, I'm not in shape. I used to be. You should have seen me. I got my friend here and I was with me since it's a typical, like, I've proven my point of where this message came from. I've done that before, so I'm not going back there. My friend here, Dustin, he known me since I was in eighth grade. He used to be in really great shape in eighth grade. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I appreciate that. Thanks. So I'm going to say it again. Why we don't wait well is because we see the value in the payoff, but we don't see the value in the cost. Why we don't enter into the struggles of life well is because we want the healthy relationship, but not the personal improvement. We want the fame, but not the influence. You have to think about that one for a little bit. Thanks, Jeff. We want the testimony, but not the test. We want the message, but not the mess. We want the blessing, but not the upkeep. I'm going to talk to you about what I mean by that. I'll tell you truly that all God's blessings in our lives Are the things that we're hoping for in the midst of struggle, in the midst of waiting? We're hoping for God's blessing, for God's favor to shine through, for the silver lining in the middle of that rain cloud. And all God's blessings in our lives uh, come to us out of His abundant grace toward us. Can I get a witness tonight that grace isn't opposed to effort? It's just opposed to earning or deserving something. You don't get God's blessing because you deserve it, you get it because of His character. But but here's the thing that you need to know about blessings is that blessings, the things we're hoping for in the middle of the hard times, the things that we know are gonna sweeten the hard times and make it better, or we things that are on the other side of breakthrough. We call those in the Christian circle blessing. Everybody with me? You following me, okay? Is this making sense what I'm saying? Okay. Good. Twenty people. That's better than normal, so that's great. Blessings that we hope for in the midst of struggle, in the midst of waiting, turn into burdens. When we don't understand that just because they came to us freely doesn't mean they don't cost to maintain. I'll say it again. Blessings in our life, the things that we're hoping for, the things that we desperately need God to show up and do, once they actually do show up, once we step into them, once we receive them, we think that because we have received them, everything else is going to take care of itself. Every genuine blessing of God comes with a cost to maintain it. says so he preaching grace? Absolutely. Grace is the way that you get the blessing. And interestingly enough, God's grace is actually the only way for you to receive the supernatural power necessary to maintain it. So what do you mean by that? Well, would you agree Parents in the room? Let's start with the grandparents. You'll agree with me first. Grandparents, will you believe with me? Testify tonight. Need somebody to testify in the house tonight. Gra- raise your hand for your grandparent. Grandparents, do you believe that grandchildren are a blessing? Yes. Listen to that. It's a beautiful noise, right? Okay. Do you believe that that blessing okay, was possible? Because your kids had kids. Were your children a blessing? Okay. See, this is where it gets. So now I ask the parents. Parents, not grandparents. Grandparents, you had your time. Okay. Parents, are your kids a blessing? It's a confession, isn't it? Did you hear it in the room? Yes, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief, right? Church family, do you, parents, raise your hand, parents. You can't get away now. Grandparents led the way. Thank you for going before us, grandparents, literally and spiritually tonight. Do you believe that your kids are a blessing? Do you believe they're a blessing of God's grace? Man, when your kid does the most awesome thing, not when they, you know, uh, eat toilet paper and, but when they do the awesome thing, in that moment you think, what do I, what did I do to deserve this, Right? When they do the awesome thing. We're not talking about the bad right now. We'll get there. Stay with me in a moment. Right? And I've heard the grandparents tell me, the re- grandchildren are your reward for not killing your kids. Right? Okay. So it's great. So you, we got the grandchildren are the blessing. We love it. We love it. But parents, when your kid does something awesome and you see the amazing person that they are and how you contributed to that, don't get me wrong, you take all the credit you can get, right? I do. But in that moment, you think, what did I ever do? To deserve this precious child, you've been there before. Well, you didn't do anything to deserve it. Children are a gift of God's grace in your life. They're a heritage from the Lord. But here's the thing about it: all right, you are not living on planet Earth if you think that children are a blessing but don't require work to maintain. Every blessing can turn into a burden whenever you see the value in the blessing but not the value in the upkeep or the work it takes to maintain the blessing. Are you following me? Okay. Marriage is God's gift to humanity. Did you know children in marriage are like the rain? The scripture says that God causes it to fall on the just and the unjust. It's a gift of God. Marriage isn't God's gift to the church. Marriage is God's gift to the world. The heathen and the righteous alike benefit from marriage. Do they not? It's a gift of God's grace. I didn't even have to ask you the question, but I'm going to ask you. Married people. Sometimes this is a harder confession than your kids are a blessing, so gear up for it. Okay, Get ready for it. Don't let your spouse down. Okay, I can't afford to lose momentum in this part of the sermon so I can't even look at my wife but I believe by faith but she's going to say no I'm just kidding giving her a hard time is marriage a blessing she said yes all is well in the back of his house praise God she said yes Derek it was a blessing good were you praying for me I was praying for me married people is marriage a blessing Does it take work to maintain it? Yeah, lots of work. The ground outside is a gift of God's grace. Aren't you glad that you get to walk on the ground, not the water? The ground is a gift of God's grace. But you and I both know that it requires work to cultivate anything from it. God's blessings can turn into burdens if we don't know how to relate to them Properly. And it's important for us to know in the middle of waiting, in the middle of the struggle, that oftentimes there's things that are being developed in us before we get the blessing so that we can maintain the blessing. I'll say it one more time. In the midst of waiting and in the midst of struggle, there are things happening in you so that you can bear up under the weight of the blessing that will be on you. And if you only place value on the reception of the blessing, you're not going to know anything about the raw material that it's really packaged in. Here's a beautiful thing about the life of Jesus. Luke, is he ever going to use a Bible verse? Yes, I am. Here it comes. I'm like, you know where Jesus said he perceived their thoughts? That's what I just did, okay? There's only like three or four of you. I'll tell you who you are after. Luke 2, 52. Tells us this. This is my one Bible verse, so you better Oh actually I've got two. I've got one in Philippians too. had to bear than I thought. Luke 2.52 tells us that during Jesus' wait you know Jesus had a waiting period before he started his ministry, right? About 30 years, right? During Jesus' waiting period, during you could say, well, we'll say waiting period of Jesus' life, the scriptures tells us this in Luke 2.52, that he grew in wisdom, everybody say wisdom, wisdom. and stature, and in favor. With God and men. Clearly, in the midst of Jesus' waiting, there was some real work that was going on. The problem is is that a lot of times we classify waiting as the same thing as inactivity. The Lord was talking to me about um, several years ago about what it really means to wait on him. And he took me to uh, a Webster dictionary, of all things. And he said, look up the word waiting. So I looked up the word waiting. And this is one of the definitions I read. The first one that popped out to me. don't remember if it was the first one or what tier you know, it was. But this is what the word waiting, I read out of the dictionary. It says, waiting is remaining in a state of readiness in order to accomplish a purpose. If you get to a place in your life that you think the waiting is the time that you get to slack off. If you get in a place in your life to where you think the struggle is the place where you have free license now just to whine about how terrible life is and to pursue cheap forms of pleasure and avoid pain. Then the question becomes, what's on the other side of the waiting? And I can tell you this, on the other side of the waiting is opportunity. But when opportunity knocks, it's too late to prepare. What's on the other side of waiting is opportunity. What's on the other side of pain is possibility. Jesus had a waiting period, and we know by this passage that I just read that it was not a time in life that was void of work. You can believe that this waiting period in the life of Christ was filled with very meaningful work. You could say it was work that was done in the waiting or you could say that it was actually the work of waiting. Because to engage in waiting properly, to engage and struggle well, especially in the midst of pain, I would like to suggest is really some of the most important work that there is. See, the raw material that you have in front of you today And let's be honest, for a lot of us, the material in front of us today and connected to the waiting or the struggle is very raw. (laughs) But the raw material that's in front of us today, the waiting, the struggle, some disciplines that you know that you need to start engaging in in your life are really investments into your tomorrow. I'm here to tell you tonight that your weight right now is a raw material but your weight today is your investment into your wisdom of tomorrow. Your struggle today is a raw material. But your struggle today is actually your investment into your stature of tomorrow. And the fiery trial that you might be facing in the midst of your present reality is really an investment into the favor That you'll have tomorrow. When we start looking at struggle and trial and waiting and delayed things in the midst of our life as really investments in our tomorrow, what happens is this resolve that rises up on the inside of us. I want to read to you Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 21. It's the Apostle Paul writing, and this is what he says. that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Listen to this. This is what we're getting to. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. That'll preach right there. Anybody aware that they're not already perfect? Good. Okay, we just figured out what's wrong with some of you. not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, press on. Turn to your other neighbor and say, your struggle today is your stature tomorrow. Turn to the person behind you. We're gonna get a little creative. Go ahead, do it. Turn the person behind you. There ain't nobody there. <laughs> Sorry, I tricked you, you. Up. But why, why don't you say this? Why don't you say this with me? My pain today, My pain today. is tomorrow's possibility. Tomorrow's possibility. Okay. So I need to press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Brothers, sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now even tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Like Whoa, Paul, that's some strong language. What does it take to be an enemy of the cross? Listen to this. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Do you know how we get through waiting? Do you know how we get through struggle? Do you know how we get through pain? It's the hope that we talked about on Sunday. It's a hope that tells us that our present reality is an ultimate reality because we have our mind on heavenly things. We're enemies of the cross whenever we live in a way that enables us to be victims. That's strong. I'll say it one more time. We're enemies of the cross. What I mean by that? We're opposed to the work of the cross. It doesn't mean you hate Jesus doesn't mean you've renounced your faith. You're opposed. You're at war with the work of the cross because Jesus became victimized so that you don't have to live as a victim. Any struggle, any pain, right, wrong, or indifferent that you're currently walking through, and it very well could not be your fault that you're walking through it, but I can tell you this. The only way to get through it is to see the cross of Christ. And this is what you know about the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus now and forevermore has confirmed in our hearts that the worst thing is never the last thing. The resurrection of Christ confirms in our hearts that the wait is not final, that the struggle is not forever, and that the night will give way today. The question is, what are you doing in the waiting? But our citizenship is in heaven, verse 20. And from it, we await. Everybody say, await. See, this is what Advent's about. It's about entering into the waiting well, entering into the struggle well, entering into the pain well, learning how in the midst of struggle that life loves to throw at us, learning how in the midst of of struggle to surrender to God and to embrace what he's doing. Not in the absence of in the struggle, but right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of the waiting, right in the middle of the pain, we believe that there's a hope that's shining through. And this is the hope. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior. The second advent, the appearing of the Lord. We await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself? Do you know your struggle is a part of the all things that are subjected to Christ, that he subjected to himself? Your pain is a part of those all things that Jesus has power and victory over. God isn't just God whenever you're resting under the weight of a blessing. God's God whenever you're under the weight of a burden. And that burden is subject to the name of Jesus. That burden is able to be overcome if we make a decision. And the decision tonight is really a simple one. It's one that we read toward the middle of the passage. It's about pressing on. I want to close with this thought out of Psalm 23, my favorite uh, psalm. You know it, the Lord's my shepherd. You like that one? That's a good one. There's this phrase in the middle of that psalm that says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me tell you the problem about waiting tell you the problem about struggle. Let me tell you the problem about pain. All those things are the same thing as the valley of the shadow of death. Too often, what we do is, is that instead of waiting on the Lord in the valley, we just make a decision to wait in the valley. There's a difference between waiting on the Lord in the valley and just waiting in the valley. Let me give you a piece of advice tonight you never need to make a decision to wait somewhere that Jesus wants to walk through. It says we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says his rod and his staff comforts us. Notice the rod and the staff of Jesus aren't used in the valley to help us pitch a tent and camp out and rehearse all of our hurts and nurse all of our offenses and look at how terrible everything in our life is going. Scream our why is it God reject our faith, fall into hopelessness and despair. I'm here to tell you that your struggle's real, but if you'll let it be, it's really just you going for a walk with Jesus. I'm here to tell you that your pain's real, that the waiting period in your life is real, but it's a place that Jesus wants to help you walk through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's easy for us to pay attention to just what's going on in the valley and forget to see what Jesus does when he's in the valley. And Jesus is about one thing in the midst of those valleys, those struggles of life. He's about walking. And sometimes that walk feels like a weight. Sometimes that walk doesn't feel like a walk at all. It feels like a crawl. But here's the thing that you need to know the only way to get out of the valley is to keep walking. The only way to properly relate to God's blessing that's on the other side, the mountaintop, if you will, is to understand that once we get there, there's a whole nother kind of work that we're gonna have to engage in. That what we've received from God freely by his grace, we have to maintain through our work. There's a partnership that we have with the Lord. You get God's blessings by grace, but you maintain them in your life through your work, through you saying yes to walk even when you don't walk to, when you don't want to, saying yes to stand even when you want to fall. Because honestly, we're not maximizing what God's grace really is in our life unless we choose to do the hard things. I can tell you this, if you never make the decision to do the things that are hard, you're always going to find yourself in a hard place. It's hard to walk through the valley. It's the valley of the shadow of death, which means it's a place where it's easier just to lay down and die. But do you know why we walk through the valley of the shadow of death? And interestingly enough, why is it called the valley of the shadow of death? That's well, simple. It's because it's a place Jesus has already walked through. Shadow isn't a place where it is. It's a place where it was. Jesus walked through alone. Remember on the cross? Father, why have you forsaken me? He walked through the darkest valley that a human being can ever walk through. And he did it alone so that you could always now do it together. It's Advent season. We're going to have hope. God, I know that hope always corresponds to faith-based action in our life. If I say I have a hope that my struggle today can be my stature of tomorrow, that corresponds to action in the present. And the main activity that I believe we're supposed to be doing in the waiting is just taking Jesus' hand and say, let's keep walking. Let's keep walking. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Ministry team, if you want to come. Father, our hearts tonight are postured in a place that we might stir up our hope. That we might allow you to confirm in our hearts that on the other side of this struggle is a story and instead of putting ourselves down we need to press on Why don't you just open up your hands tonight if you feel like you need to grab the Lord's hand and press on. Why don't you just open up your hands tonight if you know that you're in the valley but that it's time to keep walking. Lord, you see us with open hands tonight. Pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you'd give us the strength to choose to do the hard things so that we don't find ourselves continually in hard places. We pray, Father, for a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit in this house tonight. As we continue in this season of waiting, we allow ourselves to recall to mind your word that says those that trust that wait on the Lord, will not be disappointed and their faces won't be ashamed. We choose to see our struggle of today as our story of tomorrow. We choose to accept the responsibility of the work required to maintain your blessing once we get on the other side. And Jesus, we know that you're with us. And quite honestly, your presence with us is all the blessing we really need. So we say yes to you. We say yes to the journey. We say yes to not just the good parts, but the ugly parts. Because we know that you have a knack for bringing beauty out of ashes and joy out of mourning. So in our hearts, we say that we're gonna press on. That we're going to lose our hope. We're going to wait for you more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And that as long as you're moving, we're going to keep moving too. Because we know delay is not denial. And we know that darkness doesn't have the final word in our life. Father, you are the father of lights and from you comes every good and perfect gift and in you is no darkness at all, no shadow of deviation or change. That when we're being tempted and tested with evil, we never say in our heart that it's you because you're not evil and you can't test or tempt with evil. But it's our own hearts that are finding its way on healthy pleasures and appetites. And God, we pray today to deliver us from counterfeits yeah. so that we can re- embrace your realities. Thank you for the hope we have to tomorrow for tomorrow and the grace that we have for today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we say amen. Amen.